Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. <clears throat> we continue our study of the book of Judges. In chapter 7, we're up to 7b. Uh, in the beginning of this chapter, we read of um, how Gidon's army was chosen. Starting, uh, Gidon mustered 32,000 troops. In the end, God whittled it down to 300. God wanted to make sure Gidon and the people knew and understood that this victory belonged to God and God alone, and it wasn't because they had a mighty, big, strong army. And Gidon is now <coughs> standing <coughs> at a higher elevation overlooking the valley, which is full of the camp of his enemy, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the Kedemites. <coughs> and Gidon is standing with his 300 faithful, strong, soldiers together with him and it wasn't that night and God said to Gidon as follows get up I need you to go down and attack the camp because I have already delivered it into your hands God speaks in such a way as only God can speak because um, as something that God promises it is as good as if it's already happened and if you are afraid to go down and this is kind of remarkable because God has just um, <clears throat> and in the last chapter Gidon persistently asked God, every time God made him a promise he asked God for a sign because he wasn't sure, he, he, needed, he needed reassurance, he needed uh, 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 you know uh, some sign of reassurance from God so God, this time God so to speak anticipates Gidon's hesitancy and says before you even ask me for a sign, if you're afraid to go down, because I know already you're afraid, so I'm going to back you up on this one. This is what you should do. You and Pura, Pura who is your, um, your assistant, um, you, the two of you just go down, sneak down to the enemy camp. Um, you know, just pretend you're ordinary people or whatever, or, you know, lurk around in the shadows. And um, <clears throat> listen to what they're saying. And then your hands will be strengthened. You'll, you'll understand. Um, and you will be able to uh, attack and um, defeat the camp. And he and Pura, his assistant, went down to the um, edge where the um, uh, soldiers were guarding the camp. <coughs> now, um, this is going to be interesting because he, before um, Gidon was asking for miracles, God gave Gidon miraculous signs. Here, what God is is going to do is is really give Gidon the opportunity to understand what the morale of the camp is and understand how, with just three hundred soldiers, he c can attack and win and this entire massive army. <clears throat> so. We're not going to see, and I'm kind of giving this away, but we're not going to see some miraculous sign here. And, and what, what this is very important, what God is telling Gidon is that you don't need miraculous signs to, to know and understand that God is behind you and God is with you. We, uh, you don't need um, you know, fire descending from, from, uh, uh, from heaven or in the case of Gidon earlier on, we had the fire from the staff of the angel uh, you know, consuming the food, or or the miracle of the uh, wet uh, wool and and uh, in the in the granary, or the, these miraculous signs. You don't need them, but rather you have to be able to see God in the world 
that is around you. You have to see God in everyday events and everyday occurrences that even, even amazing, incredible things can happen without open miracles. Um, only someone who believes that can be... The person who believes that is a person who, who, who lives that is a person who is also um, the opposite of an idol worshiper. An idol worshiper who looks for miracles, who looks for magic, who looks for um, all sorts of uh, incantations and, and rituals to, to manipulate the gods. Here, God is, telling, is going to be telling Gidon, you don't, you don't need magic. What you need is good strategy. What you need is the right people. What you need is, and if we go with the Ralbag's explanation of those who, who uh, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't put their faces into the water, that they were strong. They were strong. They were brave. Um, with 300 brave people, you can accomplish a lot if you put your minds to it and do it right. So let's see what happens when, when, when Gidon and Pura are, are eavesdropping. Midyan and Amalek and all of the Kedemite people, Noflim Baimek, they had all um, um, uh, uh, settled down or spread down over this entire valley, like locusts, covering this entire valley. You couldn't even count the numbers of their camels. Like the sand at the edges of the sea, that's how much there were people and camels. And, and Gidon comes and he's listening and he hears, he overhears a man speaking to his friend Chalom, a dream that he had by Omer. And he says, Hine Chalom Cholamti, I dreamed a dream as follows. There was a a um, a loaf of barley bread that was um, uh, flowing, that was uh, bouncing around, uh, uh, flipping around throughout the camp of Midian. And it came all the way to uh, the tent. Presumably this would be like not just any tent in the camp, but a tent of one of the leaders, of the leader of Ayakeo, and it struck down the tent, Vayipol, and it fell. Vayahavcheu and it turned the tent upside down, and the entire tent collapsed. Now, um, the sign of a, of a loaf of barley bread is a poor man's bread. It's, 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 um, it's, not, it's not the uh, fancy bread. But it's a, a poor man's barley bread. Rashi points out, of course, the lechem seorim reminds us of the karban haomer, the uh, omer sacrifice that's brought um, on Pesach, on the holiday of Pesach, Passover. But uh, but regardless, clearly the um, the people were afraid, and they realized that they realized the weakness of their camp. That one. Um, uh, a loaf of barley, which was a symbol of, 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 of the people of Israel and their leader, the simple poor uh, people that, from whom they were stealing all of their barley. Remember, this is the, the, the Midianites would raid the, the, the Israelite farmers and take all of their produce, take their barley away. That barley is now going to come back to haunt them. This is classic dreams where people realize that the... the the things that they are most threatened by are the things that come back to haunt them. So um, it's that very barley that they were stealing which is going to come back and tear apart the whole thing. 
the th- even even just just one loaf will knock down the entire camp. Vayan Ehu and his friend said, and he understood immediately what the meaning uh, meaning of this dream was. Must be referring to the sword of Gidon, the son of Yoash, the man of Israel. So they already knew Gidon's reputation has already preceded him. Even though he hasn't really waged any war yet, he hasn't had any military victories, but they knew that he was leading um, troops to come and attack them. God has put in his hand the entire Midian and the entire camp, so we're doomed. So Gidon not understood right away. It was, this verse 15, when Gidon heard it's Mispar HaChalom, the story of the dream at Shivro and and its interpretation of the dream by and he bowed down obviously to God he prayed to God by and he returned to the camp of Israel his 300 men by and he said kumu it's time to get up God has put in your hands the camp of Midian Gidon understood here what his um entire plan of attack should be he got the whole thing Right, not just that he understood. It isn't that he understood it as a sign. He realized the fear that was in the hearts of the people in the camp. He realized how afraid they were of Midian. He realized how afraid they were of the vengeance of those from whom they were stealing the barley. Is going uh, um, that they realized that they're going to have some really angry soldiers that are out to get them. And, and, and take revenge for the oppression and the suffering that they had caused the people of Israel. They understood, and he realized that he has to take advantage of this fear. He has to take advantage of this, mor- of this lack of morale. So what did he do? Um, he, he, his, his plan reflected what he had heard. Vayachat et shlosh shlosh arashim. He divided the 300 men into three groups, presumably about a hundred each for whatever. Vayitain shofaros, and he gave the shofaros, the horns, biad kulam, vikadim rekim, and empty jars. I, I always wondered if these empty jars might have been the jars from which those that did not stick their face in the water filled with water and brought it to their mouths. Uh, if so, that would be just um, a sign showing um, uh, of th- that these were the strong people, but he took. We'll see in a minute what the importance of the empty jars were. Vilapidim and torches within besochakadim within each jar. So, by putting the torches in the jars, the light wouldn't be visible, so the people could sneak up on the camp. And we'll see what they'll do with the torches when they get there. But so th- this is what they are armed with. Uh, presumably, they also had other weapons. But here they are armed basically with horns, empty jars, and um and torches. And he said to them, I want you to watch what I do, and this is what you should do. Now I'm going to get to the edge of the camp. Exactly as I do, that's what you should do. Gidon acting as their leader. I and the men with me will blow on our horns. And immediately you also, you blow with your horns. Around the entire camp. Gidon understood the scare tactic. If he surrounds the camp with horns, the pe- and remember it's nighttime, then the people in, in the camp will will it'll appear to them as if they're being attacked from all sides by a massive army and they didn't know obviously that there weren't 32,000 people and there's only 300 
I want you to call out This is for God and for Gidon. Now, um, Gidon understood that um, that they were afraid of Gidon because he had overheard them. He understood that by using his name, he can help sow fear into the camp of the enemy. So, um, so, uh, but this also has a slight hint of pride which is a slight hint of, of a flaw, which I kind of hinted at in the beginning. In other words, it, it had, had this just, would they have had the same effect had the people just called out for God? Um, my guess is that probably would have. And making this into a, something about Gidon, when Gidon listened, overheard that conversation and heard that they were afraid of Gidon, and when he saw that barley Bread, he heard about the barley bread in the dream and thought of that as representing himself. It's, we start seeing a little bit of a hint of how this is getting to his head. Um, but uh, that's just a suggestion, but I think it'll, it'll bear out as we keep reading of Gidon's life. And Gidon and the hundred people, so now we learn that there was indeed a hundred people per group. They get to the edge of the machna, and they get there at the time of the changing of the guard, Rosh Hashemoreh at the beginning of the middle watch. So the nighttime is divided into Ashmorot, watches, and, and the beginning of the middle one, presumably it's three watches, so there's one, and then the third, second one is the middle one. It's the beginning of that watch. And as soon as the new guards get up and take their posts, so it's at their most vulnerable time, they're not yet watching they're not yet they're just literally getting up to their posts about to 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 start doing their watch immediately they started blowing it and started to smash the jars so it's basically noise tactics i remember hearing that in during the um israel's war of independence in 1948 how um you know many of the weapons that were used were very ineffective, but they made a lot of noise. Uh, the famous Davidka gun, which was a gun that was uh, extremely ineffective as a weapon, but it made so much noise that it scared the enemy. Or, or I even uh, that they sometimes would drop uh, seltzer bottles from airplanes to sound like bombs when they smash. It's a very similar tactic here, smashing the jars and blowing horns. Um, at a time when the watch was not organized and not ready, so the three groups, this is verse 20, blew with their horns, and they smashed the jars, and in their left hands they held the torches, and in their right hands, so, so the, the torches are now creating this uh, environment of fear, and they called out, the sword is for, remember, they didn't even have a sword in their hands. But this is what they call out. The sword is for God and for Gidon. Uh, the people called out the name of God and the name of their leader, Gidon. And they didn't even attack. They stood uh, uh, in, in their place, surrounding the entire camp. And the entire camp was so afraid and so frightened of what was the, what they thought was an impending attack. <clears throat> they started screaming and yelling and running back and forth all around. And the 300 horns were blowing 
I remember it was dark, it was the middle of the night. And God made it happen that they started attacking each other and all of the confusion. And the entire camp um, ran all the way to the Beit Hashita, which is um, t- towards Tzereira. Ad Sefat Avel Mechola Al Tabat, which is as far as the edge of Avel Mechola, another place, which is next to another place called Tabat. So it's giving us the place names of where the enemy ran when they were uh, retreating and running. And then the people, the men of Israel, called out and cried out, Minaftali, from all the places of Naftali, Uminasher, Uminkalmanasher, from all the tribes. These are many of these were the people who had originally been part, but now they see the victory happening and that they had left because they were afraid or because God told them to leave after the picking at the water who should stay and everyone else who didn't maybe didn't even come in the first place, all of them now picked up the chase so now there's thousands and thousands of people chasing the enemy of Midian, and they chased after the people of Midian. And now Umalachim, well, a, a group of people of Ephraim who had not been involved in the war until now, but now Gidon needed them. So um, because the Midianites were running towards Ephraim territory, so therefore he says, Gidon sent messengers throughout the entire mountainous region of Ephraim. Lamar saying, Redu the cross Midian. I need you to go down and 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 confront the Midianites, and I need you to capture all of their water sources. I, I know I don't because if they can have access to their water sources, they might be able to regroup and attack. So you need to uh, secure the water sources so that they keep running and get out of here. I base Baravyasayardin all the way down to Beit Bara and the entire Jordan. I need you to make sure they don't get access to the river water, etc. And the people of Ephraim rallied and captured the water sources at base Bara Vesyardin all the way to those places, Beit Bara and the Jordan River. And they captured the two kings of Midian at Orev v'yad Ze'ev, whose names were Orev and Ze'ev, both animal names, Orev being a raven, Ze'ev being a wolf. These were the names that they went by by Yehargu, and they executed at Orev Bitsur Orev, at a um, Orev at the Rock of Orev, which is um, obviously named the Rock of Orev because of this event. Ze'ev and and Ze'ev Hargu they killed by Yekev Ze'ev at the um, Yekev is a is a, is a wine press the wine press of Ze'ev that's where he was executed and I guess from then on it became known as the Yekev Ze'ev but Yerdufu al Midian and they and they chased them all the way back to their countries of origin to Midian Verosh Orevu Ze'ev Heviu al Gidon Beverly and they brought the heads of the executed leaders to Gidon who was on the other side of the Jordan River. So this is the account of the battle. And the people of Ephraim were called in at the end to um, secure the water sources to so that the uh, enemy would fully and completely be forced to retreat and get out of the land of the people of Israel and get back to their homeland and leave them alone. Um, but the people of Ephraim were not involved in the initial battle, nor were they involved in the, the second 
uh, uh, the, the chase after the battle, um, but they did help out in the end, and this is going to set up for the events of the next chapter eight, where we have the victory secured, the people of Midian are, have been completely routed and, and ran back to their, to their uh, homes and place of origin. The people of Ephraim are now approaching um, uh, Gidon um, after they, they helped secure this re de defeat of the Midianites and, um, and uh, they kind of came in at the end. Um, thank you so much for studying chapter 7 with me. Looking forward to studying chapter 8, continuing the story of Gidon and of course the rest of this book of Judges together.